Welcome to the Signal Line Remote Viewing Podcast, a podcast owned and run by Daz Smith from RemoteViewed.com, the resource for everything remote viewing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing remote viewing related interviews, views, news, resources, and much more. Okay, so we uh, got quite a few people in, so we'll, we'll carry on with it. I'll keep letting people in. Uh, for those of you who are new, uh, it's just an open chat tonight. We usually have guests, but tonight it's just, our, you know, anyone can talk about whatever they want to, remote viewing-wise. Uh, if you want to ask something, uh, we usually ask people to put their hand up in using the reactions, and we take it in turns that way. And also, if you don't want to speak, you can use the chat window to type in anything you want or speak to people that way as well. Um, so yeah, let's just let's just go with the flow. So John's had his hands up since he was here. How are you doing, John? Hi, uh, Daz. Uh, doing great, thanks. And hello, everybody. Um, yeah, I'm excited by this. Uh, if we could talk about the Phobos project of uh, I don't know how you pronounce your name, Henny Henny Haju. However you pronounce your name. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Exactly, Henny. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited because it's so rare to see a project like this. And it reminds me of the days in Transdimensional when we posted stuff. And I think we posted in Aurora too, a project that has a project manager, several viewers, everything's laid out, the full sessions. I just had to go through it quickly, but I was just very impressed with that and just wanted to shout out, a, give you a shout out for that. But specifically <laughs> um, too, on the, uh, the taskings, I did have a question about that. Can I post the taskings in the chat? Is that okay sure. with you? Okay. So the second tasking is about perceive and describe the unknown that cast the unidentified shadow on the Martian surface. Um, and I guess my question is a lot of the data that the interpretation that you posted speaks to, talks about aliens and people or creatures on, on, on Mars or elsewhere. But this tasking does not actually specifically uh, address that. Now, it's certainly possible that if you get uh, data, you may get data that's relative to the tasking, but extends from it. So I'm not saying that's not that's impossible. Plus, you do get, you should get lots of uh, division of labor. If you have four viewers, you'll get some division of labor, but you'll also get some stuff that's way off. Anyway, I wondered if you wanted to comment on any of that or had any other observations you could share with us? Well, uh, what I would say is I, I divided the subtask. Um, mainly the first task was carrying the, the original tasking, probably, or the original tasking in time that was in DASIS school, like the event itself. And the second one I just made because I, uh, I've seen different interpretations with regards to what those uh, anomalies are in the picture. Like some said that it's just a transmission error. Some said it's some light artifact carryover. Some said it was the Phobos moon itself casting this really weird shadow on the surface. So I was like, okay, let's see what that is. Given the, the fact that I did a practice time and I had really like weird data on it. And uh, yeah, the second tasking uh, was mainly focusing on, on what is that? like what is doing these, these visuals on the photos. Uh, I uploaded all the sessions so you can go through it. 
uh, I would say that the second asking, two at least two of the viewers were really focused on 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 uh, this unknown something uh, in their sessions. Uh, two were a bit more, as you said, carrying over from uh, different aspects of the task. And we, I as an analyst, because I was not there in their head and I, I could not tell when I was going through their sessions, I couldn't tell what they were perceiving. So I was just reading like descriptor by descriptor going through their sessions. I was trying to <clears throat> put myself in their shoes, as you would say, as what they were seeing. And at one point I picked up that someone was talking about many people watching and I rang a bell, okay they might be carrying home like to, to uh, the ground control and they might get data that comes from like the earth's connection of that target. So when we did the uh, analysis part, I really made sure that all the viewers and maybe try to uh, eliminate all the data that seemed to be happening or that seemed to be coming from uh, the target side, but could also be a carryover from ground control. So we, we took out all the data that could have been related to, to the home base. Like if someone said we had hangars and there was hangars in the ground control base, I took it out as part of the actual site. I'm not sure, do I make sense? So we tried to, to kind of filter the data in, in a sense that, okay, what can be uh, noise coming from, from the earth? part of the connection and what it, what still belongs to, to the Martian or Phobos aspect of the site. And we had some anomalies like the dome-shaped uh, structure that was nowhere to be seen near the, the ground site. So we had to go, okay, some aspects like the vegetation, uh, the weird dome-shaped structure cannot be tied to, to, to noise coming from, from the earth aspect of the target. So it has to be somewhere. Either it is uh, an AOL or some kind of imagination, but given that it, it, it came in, in all four sessions, we, we got strange structures, strange uh, structure, vegetation, leaves, stuff like that. I had to say, okay, what well, probably then it is somewhere around the target side, if I make sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you do have to filter out data because you're never going to get 100% accurate data from any particular yeah. viewer, so that's understandable. One other point was that I think it was mentioned in there that y'all did a UFO target the previous week or something, but my sense is you haven't done a whole lot of targets, so it's not like UFOs and stuff is in the air every week. Is that correct? We uh, like two of the uh, two of the viewers that we were with on this project. Uh, I won't name them because. One of them is still asking for staying anonymous. He might, he or she, they might change their stance on that one. Uh, we have been uh, doing weekly targets on a group we have set aside for this. And well, mostly do, we do targets that are verifiable, like, or has a lot of verifiable aspects, like Angkor Wat and whatever. But sometimes we do like esoteric targets too. Well, thanks for the answer and, and welcome to the to doing all these projects. This is great to see a new new uh, group doing stuff like this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I think I'm going to get together with Henny very soon, and we're going to 
probably record a a video on all this and, and put it out on the on the YouTube as well. Um, and I think did, Henny was it was it part of what my target pool wasn't it? Uh, the Phobos target. Yeah, it was from from Target Monkey. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, I put, I added that to the poll years ago because in the nineties I heard about the Phobos two UFO UFO event, and I was always curious of it. And then I did find uh, I, I don't know if you've seen this some well, some of the Stargate viewers at one point looked at Phobos. I don't think it was Phobos two, but they did look at Phobos using ERV and they saw all kinds of weird machines in and. Um, and stuff there and I, I also got some sessions over the years from other remote viewers that have worked the target and they've also picked up some interesting uh, anomalous kind of craft type weird weird stuff as well so that that's why i added it to the poll just to see if uh you know what other viewers over time would pick up on it but it's an interesting one uh, i know ed dames is a company way back in the early 90s did a did a report on it as well and put a report out if you if you can get hold of that somewhere yeah we are hunting that one right now it It is definitely an interesting one i saw the pictures because you know the pictures you used in your feedback i saw them in the in the mid 90s at a ufo conference when it was when it was first first released to the public by the uh by the Russians, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Caused a lot of interest at the time in in the nineties. Yeah. One other question on that: uh, You said you were going to try to get the sessions, I think, right? Uh, how how are you going about that? The original um, sessions done in the military. Well, we have uh, contacted SciTech, uh, which turns out is Dane. I think the name name of the guy who is running it now. We have. Yeah zero response from him. So another uh, viewer, John Adams, is trying to get to Adams if he has a copy. If not, we know who the uh, the original contractor was and we will go to treat who was, you know, giving the funding for the project because they sure have a copy of it. I'm not sure if they will uh, give any of it or a summary of it to us. Good luck. There may be uh, in Baylor University, which is where the SRI archives are now, but I don't know if they've been cataloged so you can visit there, but that's someplace I might want to go to to uh, check out the SRI archives. I did hear, um, I had a message from someone the other day, John, saying uh, uh, they've been talking to Ed May and Ed May was just boxing up 40, 40 boxes of files to go to Rice University to be archived. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was Rice, not Baylor, because he—I thought he'd already sent them long ago. He, uh, this me. was this was literally two days ago. So really, hmm. yeah. Okay, that's all I know. You know, people just send me bits and pieces. I can't ver- verify any of it. Um, what I've done is I've put a document in the in the chat window there. I don't know if this is anything to do with that target Phobos too, but it literally is a uh, center lane remote viewing session in ERV method and it is on Phobos and it does have some anomalous kind of weird stuff in that one as well with you know looks like drilling machines and all kinds of strange stuff so that's worth having a look at uh up next then uh Don would you like to go next okay yeah I um you know I've been doing a few um I've been learning CRV I originally took the um 
DDS RV with John Vivanco, did that for three and a half years. I got some proficiency going, um, but I wanted to like try CRV now to see if that introduced any new ideas in my mind, different approaches, more methodology, something like that. See if it like did anything, right? And uh, actually some of the practice targets that uh, I've been doing, I've been noticing, and this leads to my question, is a uh, question. Daz, or anybody, uh, when you started out, did you feel like your perceptions, instead of coming from a focused eye, were they more like coming from like a cloud of perception where the S2s would come from anywhere within that you know amorphous cloud and uh and if so how did you evolve and, and sharpen your perception does that make sense um not entirely to be honest the cloud the cloud part um i don't think i ever even now 24 years later i don't think i ever know or think about where any of it's coming from i seem to get like instead of focusing on say i'm supposed to look at a door i might be getting everything in the room or a, a small detail okay. uh you know over here instead of the door or something like that but what so, stage are you what stage are you at in your you know in your crv development you know because uh, just as two just right. as two, okay yeah you're not gonna in stage two you're not gonna be hardcore getting really in-depth focused sight contact to be honest it is quite you know it's quite uh basic and you build it as you as you as you progress and you and you build it you build it more as you start to get the dimensionals which is at the end of stage two and mainly in stage three and stage four okay okay um yeah okay so that's uh that's my question thank you but uh, but you said it's stage two stuff, but you are getting stage two, aren't you? So you're like you're doing your radiogram and then you're drawing down some, you know, stage twos to go with it. Yeah, uh, I've been having very good luck with um, stage one, stage two, identifying the gestalt off right off and uh, yeah. getting into the uh, S2s. Um, I had a session just the other day where I picked the wrong sort of like you know um iab right the b i picked as being uh, land and i all of a sudden i started getting a bunch of structural elements mm -hmm. so i retook the coordinate this time i got a structure in my ideogram started getting a nice grouping uh, of uh, structural elements and uh, it's very interesting to see this because i did not have these kinds of experience with with the tds rv that was sort of like a more general kind of remote viewing <laughs> yeah. whereas this like starts with uh, you know these little things that uh, expand the uh, yeah. uh the aperture i guess is the word right yes yeah Sounds so, like you're doing it right then. Um, I just I wouldn't worry about you know being in stage two and getting broader views of the target because you 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 probably don't in you know because literally stage one is gestalts, and then you're adding on the age of end of stage one with your stage twos, you're only adding a few more sensory details to that. I see. All right. So I'm not at the point where it really has opened the aperture. Not yet. I mean, some people you know you can get quite good detail on stage two and and to be honest i i do a slightly different version of the crv than the what's what, what we call the original ingo crv 
in that um, after doing your stage one, you know, you do your ideogram and you do your I, you, you do your A and your B. And then sometimes underneath it, you write your S2 and you do a couple of stage twos, you know, like, oh, it feels cold or it feels hot. You know, I feel 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 hard and that kind of thing. But it's usually only a cluster of five to six or, or so there. Okay. Oh, very simple as opposed to going full page, you know, next Well, page. this is where I'm going with it. I, I always find over the years that that wasn't getting me enough stage two data, bearing in mind that stage two is including every sense that you've got as a human. So I added an extra page to stage two. After I did my IAB focus thing and did stage twos with that, when I felt like I was finished with my ideograms process and I wanted to move on, I then forced myself to do a, a, a complete whole different page of stage twos where I literally just go through every, every one. So I start off with uh, textures, taste, smells. Uh, then I look at visuals and I break that down into colors, contrast and luminescence. And I, mm. you know, I literally run through every kind of sensory detail I can to really squeeze that data as much as possible out of it. And then at the end of the stage two, I, I have a couple of dimensionals. So I look to see if there are any horizontals, verticals, diagonals, then mass, density, space, and volume. And then that brings me into an AI then, which then moves me into stage three. But what right, I'm saying is right. I, I do this additional page where I, I, I literally go through a, list, a checklist and make myself do all the stage twos to pull that extra data can you make that checklist available uh yeah it's, it's already available on on my website in in my under the see i can put the link in the uh in the thing here let me get it up a second um but yeah uh, it's it's already yeah, sometimes there. yeah sometimes these word lists uh they can be very helpful yeah it's not a, it's not a word list itself it's just i i have a set page two where i start off, i always start off with textures then look at temperatures and then look at visuals, and then I look at tastes, smells, energies. I, I even added an extra weird category I stole from uh, SRV, where they where they have this thing where they probe called subspace, and they say for subspace is anything anything esoteric that you can't see kind of thing. And I even added that as a category uh, in in as under sensory because for me, if you get goosebumps and your hair stands on and that's sensory kind of a reaction to that those kind of you know archaic esoteric kind of energies so i added that in there as well and that's always you know not for every target but if it just happens to be an esoteric kind of strange target that also gives me amazing data on that just on that alone okay i've got to ask you on that particular detail if you're dealing with a you know a, a mundane target uh eiffel tower for example yes. what would you get if you were probing that esoteric probably nothing at all and i would probably just write a line through it saying nothing or you'd actually just, realize you had nothing yeah it just comes up as nothing or it might just come up as like subtle energies because you might be picking up on the uh, the emotional states and energies of all the people floating around that kind of target which mm. is esoteric in its own in its own way you know like telepathically kind of picking up uh, on energies sure i mean sometimes when you're probing for a specific thing like a touch or whatever um it's hard to determine whether you're perceiving nothing, right? Uh, you know, smell is particularly bad with me. Like I, yes. you know, as a human, I have poor smell. So um, uh, detecting smells, odors, you know, in a room, in an environment, uh, you know, it, it, 
am I smelling something? Am I not smelling something? I don't know. So well, for for me, I, I never physically smell anything, mine or taste anything. For me, it's just it's just the first word that comes to mind is is the correct one, and I just write it. Okay. All right. Thank you. I never, I never, ever in any of my Harvey sessions have had anything, uh, anything real and physical. It's just a, it's just a feeling. So you know, if the, even if the if the uh, smell is of, and I've done these in in dead people, missing people cases, if it's like, you know, decay, and I know, I know what decay smells like, you know, it's a real foul smell. But when I'm doing RV sessions, I don't actually smell that. It's just, I, I know that it's, if I did smell it, it would be decay. Mm. So it's very subtle difference on that. But I've put the link to the, the manuals page in, on my website. And it's the one at the bottom where you can see how I do it, the open source one that you can download version four. All right. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. And good luck with it as well. It's a, it's a complex process, but you know, if you, it's if you a lot of fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. If you have any questions at any time, just uh, just email me or send me a, a message or, or something. All right. Cool. Thanks. Okay, Rich. Oh, John is John wanting to ask another question, or is it is it Rich? We'll go, with Rich. Do you want to go next, Rich? Uh, sure. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're fine. How are you? All right. Good. I finally figured it out. Thanks. Um, all right. So yeah, I was just curious if anybody's tried the bullseye method that's been floating around on Reddit lately. I haven't, but there are some Reddit guys here this evening. Um, I don't know if any of those have, uh, Sasha or Brett or any of the others. It looks really interesting. I, when I get better <laughs> with the baseline stuff, I'd like to try to kind of incorporate that in at some point i guess well, I they're not to, I'll I've go for been, sorry i was gonna say I, I was looking at that and uh i think it's intriguing i was gonna start i did the notes on the, the document that the, the i don't know who the person is who's sharing it on reddit but he has his manual online in a google drive so i downloaded and then read through it and took some notes so i think i'm going to start playing with that this weekend and nice. report back <laughs> yeah if you end up doing that please do I'm, I'm very curious thank you yeah no worries uh john uh are you still there and do you have your hands up i don't have my hand up if it's if it's me sorry i uh, no worries okay anyone else got anything they want to ask there's nothing at the moment in the in the window, I don't believe. Any questions? Actually, I would like to ask Jimmy if he is still remote viewing because he was going strong there for a while. Jimmy, do you hear me? Say something. I think hey, Don. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I had a training with Angela for location training. We had to put it back a month. My father's been in the hospital. So other than that, Daz, I'm the one who sent you that information regarding uh, uh, Dr. May. Uh, he's actually going to be doing a podcast with Jimmy Akins uh, on, the, on some Stargate stuff. Um, we talk now and then. If I have any questions or something, he'll send me something back or whatever. Uh, but he's been busy. Uh, there's actually 50 boxes, he told me, um, that he's giving to Rice University. 
Um, I, I don't think there's anything new in it. I think it's just the archive stuff. But uh, Don, yeah, uh, I'm still doing some practice stuff. I had to take a little time off because of my father's health. Um, I should be back up in September. That's our goal. Uh, I, I got a project with Angela I did before. We're going to do some more stuff. Um, but uh, I'm always learning. I'm hey, no expert. Can, can you say something about your experience with Angela, right? Well, it was a whole different take on traditional CRV. I, I would consider it more intuitive, um, not as structured as CRV. Um, she comes from a psychic type background, and then she includes doing protocols kind of in it loosely. Um, mm -hmm. And that would, the what funny thing is that she and Dr. May and Joe McMonagle, they still work on projects. I don't know what they are. I'm not privileged to it. But um, they look at it as, I think it would be, I heard Daz speak before about traditional uh, psychic uh, protocols. And I, I, I think, or I believe that they sort of lean more toward that with some RV protocols included in it. It's kind of a hodgepodge. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's not necessarily one particular structure. She's training me in all avenues of everything. <laughs> Stuff I've never heard of. I, I'm new to channeling. I'm sure Daz knows about channeling. I, I, I'm learning more about it. To me, truthfully, now I think this would be a good question for Daz because he has more experience than I do. I, I believe, in my experience in the last three years, even with Dr. May, that the when the signal line CRVs would call, comes right in it's to me it's kind of the same thing as a psychic impression it's to me it's very similar now i i know there's a whole crvs don't like psychic stuff psychics think they're crvers and there's a whole mix-up of information but i look at it as i've heard dad say this which i like who really cares if it's on a piece of paper if it's on a napkin as long as the data is you know usable and it matches the target sites in some form. I mean, that's most important thing than having 30 pages of data and 10,000 ideograms. And I mean, I know when I was being tested by Dr. May, he yelled at me for doing ideograms. <laughs> and he says, he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing an ideogram. And he says, I thought Angela trained you. And I said, well, she did. She goes, and he said, I'll allow you ideograms for the testing, but you don't need to do an ideogram. And I said, I'm all confused then because I was trained to do ideograms. And he says, well, we've already passed all that with research. You don't need to do one. It's the initial signal line or psychic impression, or he doesn't even call it psychic. He calls it, um, he has a new term he's using. Um, I've forgotten what it is, but it, it sort of means psychic. They don't use the word psychic for some reason. I, I have to ask you, Jimmy, are, are you like reciting the target number and then no, sitting no. silent and then waiting for something to, uh, no, to, no. to your mind? No, what I've what I been trained by Angela 
and scolded by Dr. May, which was, you don't need any of the target number, which I've trained on in yeah, practice right. for years. What he told me to do is that it's an intention-based. That's all. It it's very simple forms. It's just intention-based. And he said to me, I asked him the first day, we had a meet and greet. And then he said to me, I'm just going to say this to you. Jimmy, go 30 minutes in time and describe the picture that's going to show up on my computer. And I said, okay. So I'm sitting there with a piece of paper and pen waiting for a target number. And he says, well, go ahead. And I said, well, where's the target number? And he says, you don't need a target number. I mean, what method are you using? Like, I'm like, I'm all confused, Dr. May. And he says, just describe what the signal is, will you? And I'm like, okay. And that was it. It was, he told me that originally with Ingo and the other guys early on, it was more based on the initial psychic impression, the signal line, whatever you want to call it. And that was where all the data was the starting point at. And then from there, you can expand on it if you want it. I mean, he told me stories about Joe McMonagle, uh, how he would come in with 28 pages of data, put them on his desk and say, here you go, Ed. And, and he would say, I'd go through half of it and say, I can't use any of this because you got scribbles, ideograms, weird looking pictures. Just write me a summary and tell me the highlights or the most important pieces of the data so they can actually use it. In, in some format on a, you know, a target or whatever they're doing. So it's confusing for me, to be honest with you, when I hear like other remote viewers going through all these protocols and stuff, which I do, stages, and then hearing like professional people like the Stargate people and Dr. May, who's got 20, 30 years in it, saying kind of the opposite. Yeah, right. Is, it's confusing. I have to be honest with you. And I don't know what to think. I mean, I'm, I'm glad today it's an open forum because I'm really curious to see what Daz would say about this. Because I, I don't know. I'm still learning. This is my fourth year. And it's like I'm scratching my head thinking, well, to, to me, the stages make sense. I can do all six. But I notice sometimes I skip sometimes a stage because I, I, I just get more information about a certain uh, a stage and then I might come back out of sequence and then I'll do a summary and then I may after add some more information to the summary. So I don't know. I, I call what I do and what I learned from Angela and also Paul Smith, which at the Rhine I learned from, I just say my, I'm remote viewing, but it's a hybrid system and that's all I call it. I don't have really a, I'm not an expert. Uh, I've had some really good luck. I mean, that's why I got the Dr. May. I hit, all Angela's targets, which are also people's psychic targets. But she explained to me that the, the, the signal line, as I like to call it, the CRV, the psychic line, that's all it's important, is once you make the initial contact with it, whatever you do to make it, make it, and then start the writing process. Get the hand moving, write down everything. And now, I don't know, as if you agree, Dr. May and Angela, supposedly Joe McMonagall at certain times, they actually use the AOLs. So when I write down AOL, it's a truck or a Ford truck. 
they say, yes, do it. Because I got yelled at by him again when I wrote down my initial first page. And he says, what the hell are you doing? And I said, well, I see, you know, a, a plane in the, in the thing that must be near an airport. He says, there's no AOL stop stuff. And he, and he started yelling at me saying, <laughs> and yeah, it's funny because after my first session, I took my testing differently, which was just sit there. And he would say, go ahead, remove fuel. And then I would just write down whatever impression I got, write everything, AOLs, just go for it. And then he would talk to me for another 20 minutes until the timer went off. And then he would say, okay, let's see what you got. And you say, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Okay. This is good. You could improve on this, whatever. It was very odd for me, but he said, this is the way he did it in the military Stargate. Now, I, I don't remember hearing Paul Smith talk like this, you know, right. saying this type of testing, but I don't know. I don't know what to believe. And but Daz, what do you think about including AOLs and actually say stage two, you know, just including it in the data you're receiving? Um, what do you mean include it? I'm sorry, because you know I do get AOLs in stage one and stage two sometimes, and I I just write them write them down. Right. No, no. He what he was saying to me was it, he's the, saying it's it's real. See, yeah. Some. I mean, it, bear in mind the AOLs are real data. Right. It's not. It's not like you've wrote it down as an AOL and you're chucking it away and you're saying it's it's of no use whatsoever. Right. All you're doing is labeling it. Right. You're, you're, but he told me that they found out afterwards from researching that the time it takes to think in your head to say, oh, that's an AOL, put it to the right of the page, you're losing signal line and that you should just write on the, hmm. underneath the descriptors. I don't agree on that. Oh, I, would, I would have I to say, <laughs> I would have to say I would need to see because you know, we're, meant to be, we're meant to be using science here and a lot of people make a lot of claims Right. And I don't see any of these claims ever backed up with science. If he has documentation and he has a scientific report that, that proves and shows this, then I'll be happy to look at it. But I wouldn't I don't think I've ever seen anything along the lines of that. Um, right. I, I know he told me that they hired linguistics people and uh, yeah. people that study language. And he said because they were all curious from the research and regarding wording, because he told me there's all kinds of flaws with the certain words that Ingo did the best he could at the time, picking yes. the word target and, you know, other words. And he said to me, if you just do kind of the, wait till the signal comes in, write down everything, regardless of how you're trained. Statistically, he said that we found that you'd be at uh, the target site more often than trying to meticulously write things to the right of the page, write up here this, distracting yourself, he called it. Now, I, I don't know what to think. <laughs> like, he, he was involved in the program. I'm a newbie to all this. I yeah. got Angela saying one thing. I got well, Paul Smith saying something different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's complicated. Um, yes. <laughs> and me, and John, me and John have been studying this in both the Stargate <laughs> and Ingo archives. Uh, and I... Uh, I used to be a staunch defender of CRV above everything else at one stage. Um, but after reading all the available documentation, uh, I'm convinced that CRV works and I'm convinced that it is based on some genius ideas. 
but I'm also convinced that there, the data shows that it was never proved to be a working uh, trainable methodology. Um, and that's where Ed and Joe McMahon Eagle come from. Uh, and, and why they SRI wouldn't put their names, well, not so much Joe, but Ed May and the other scientists, other than how put off, would not put their names to any documentation uh, because they didn't like the way it was trained um, and it wasn't proved to work and it was never documented because Ingo never produced any documentation to say this is how CRV works, you see. They had to write their own many you know, years later. Um, I think that both approaches work. Absolutely, you know, because what Ed's doing and what we're doing with CRV is no different than what someone does with tarot cards or when they right. when they chuck tea leaves around a cup. It's just using a, a certain concentration focused device mechanism to focus your intent on. Right. And CRV just does that, but it does it in a longer winded way. I'm not convinced Ed May is being correct when he says that one approach is better than the other because if it is, when where's the scientific documentation? Because I'd like to see how they tested certain amount of CRV people against certain amount of natural trained people. And you know, if if one if one was a better effect than the other, then I'd be happy. You know, I'm more than happy to see the results of that. But I've never seen any evidence of that whatsoever. And, you know, including the the four Stargate archives books I got here of all Ed May's documentation, I haven't found anything that differentiates it. And this is what I say to everyone. Every, all the methods work, you know, all the bastardized methods of CRV, they all work. And it's all individual to each one of us because we're all different. We all need something different. That's why I can say other than uh, there was a war, there is a conflict yes. between the science side and the military side of, of remote. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, can I just ask, uh, are you sure. feel improvement? Do you feel any sort of improvement using this new expanded approach? I would have to say that I'm confident now, more confident. Um, I, I, I was told, I, I think I mentioned to Daz in an email or message one time, or I mentioned it. I, I believe, at least in my own experience, which is only three years, and I've been very lucky. I think a lot, of, some of it has to do with the actual personality of the person. I mean, it's just like playing the guitar. If you can make a bad guitar sound good. So if you're halfway decent at doing something, you can make it better. So when Angela said to me, you're a natural psychic, I'm like, I'm not a psychic. And she says, yes, you are. And I said, well, I don't think I'm psychic. And she says, well, you're doing all the psychic things easily. And I'm thinking, no, I, I learned remote viewing. And she said, no, you're getting all mixed up about it. He goes, it's the person. The person has a lot to do with results. Now, I know Daz is an artist, a photographer. He has an eye for things. You know, we see things slightly different. I'm a musician for 30 years. So maybe it's my background as a musician. And I'm a little more sensitive to certain smaller things or something. And it just happens to benefit me a little more than somebody who's not. Now, Dr. May did say they studied or they researched artists and they did have an advantage. Now, he didn't know statistically how much, but he said that they would have an advantage probably because the way their brain was wired from their 
artistic abilities, either musicians, mm. artists, etc. Uh, they had a tendency of just getting to more to the uh, the data, the the interesting data pops in or whatever. I truthfully, <laughs> I don't know what to think. Uh, that's why I've been saying for a while, this is a fun hobby, <laughs> you know, a lot of learning. Uh, I like meeting other people such as yourself, Don, and other guys. Uh, it's not boring, but I, I'm no expert. I just happen to luckily, you know, got tested by May and then Angela, you know, and then I'm supposed to retest it again by Dr. May in uh, December. He says I can do better. And I was happy getting five out of six right. So I don't know. I, hey, uh, I just, I'd like to jump in here if I could. Sure. At some point. Yeah. And I spent time with Dr. Uh, May uh, Ed, and also with Angela Ford. And uh, that was very fortunate because Ed lives in the Bay Area where I live. Well, maybe I can shed a little light on his personality for you and where he's coming from. Although I think you get it. I mean, he's a self-described curmudgeon, and he will yell at you. Um, yes. <laughs> he just says target, and you're supposed to go get it. But, you know, he's worked with Joe and Angela and Nevin Lance for decades. He said, I only work with the best viewers, and he gets really good results in some of the uh, ARV that they've done. Now, since you, uh, what I read was that you tested really well with uh, with Angela. You impressed Angela, so she wanted you. To, so you're you're good. You're good. Face it, you're good doing this stuff. Um, you know, she, I I did some sessions for me for her, and she said, "Well, you're a good viewer," but she didn't ask me to go further testing. So you know, seize the time and do that. But um, as far as uh, the difference, between, you know, Ed doesn't get that CRV works. He just doesn't get it. That's where I'm coming from. And I was fortunate because I was trained in a method that was an offshoot of CRV from the most successful company that existed at the time and maybe ever, the transdimensional. So I know that kind of method works. Ed and Joe do not get it. So just live with that. And, you know, whichever I, I do, I still use a TDS type method when I do regular remote viewing for ARV, which I've been doing for 10 years. I have separate methods. But, you know, keep exploring, find out maybe a hybrid will work for you. You see the DAS and most everybody who's been at this a while modifies their original training to, to find the facets that work best and components that work best for them. So that's just a little from another guy here in the Bay Area that has had to face Ed May and, and argue with him. <laughs> yeah, he's a, you know, there's a side of Ed, which I don't know if you've got to see it all, but I, I, everybody has probably seen him. He's a straight shooting scientist guy, data only. But there's also another side, which I got to see after about the third test. He figured out I didn't have an ego. And then he started becoming really friendly with me, telling me funny jokes and stories about Ingo and Joe McMonagle and these funny stories and stuff. And uh, I hope Daz can get him on. I know he's been trying uh, because I, I think regardless if you really like him or hate him or whatever, He's a smart guy, and he'll definitely make you think. And that's what I learned from all this is that I, I learned a lot. He's actually a really good monitor, too. When, when he was cueing me targets and stuff, he would catch me and say, I want you to move back 200 feet to me right now. And then tell me what you see. And I'm like, uh, okay, I saw a red color. Okay, good. Stop. End session. Show me your data. You know, and then I would send it and he says, good. See, you didn't think he had this belief system with me, which was no thinking allowed. First thing he would say to me, you're not thinking, are you? And I'm thinking, no, Dr. Man, I'm thinking, good. Right. Now we're going to work. 
And, you know, and I, I kind of liked it because it was all business, no shooting the crap or anything. Now, Angela was a different approach. She was the happiest, nicest person. <laughs> she would talk to me about my kids and, you know, whatever. And then she would say, are you ready? And I would say, yes. So th their methods are different about getting data out of you. But it was a great learning experience. Uh, surprising for me. Um, I'm just glad I got through it without getting, you know, really bad results with Dr. May. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm concerned, you know. I'd like to add one thing, too. Um, it's nice to hear another person that has a positive uh, feelings about Ed May and, and Angela because, you know, Ed May gets a lot of flack oh, I know. on social media. And this guy's and his, his partner, you know, Sonali Bhatt-Marwaha, turned out four volumes, took six right. years to really produce a so solid, substantial account of the Stargate program that people can read about. And so I don't, don't like to hear flack about Ed May overall. I disagree with him. I told him, you know, he, he, he knows he disagrees. But the guy is just <laughs> contributed to the field. Right. Yeah, he's a, he's just a strict guy. And that's how you have to take him. You know, he's just a data. He's a scientist first more than anything else. And then I think once you get past the, if you don't perform, you're on your way out. You know, I, I thought for sure, oh, God, this guy's tougher, twice as tougher than Angela. I'm in trouble here. I'm a newbie. And I'm like, uh, and then he said, no, you're doing well. Keep it up. And I'm like, I'm doing good. He says, yeah, you passed. He said, that's good. I'll see you in two days. You pick the time. I said, okay, Dr. Rankin. I was like, he ran, the, he ran it all. Now, there was no, you know, I'm, my personality type is, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. So I'm used to hanging out with guys that are laid back and fun and, have, you know, whatever, thinking differently. And it was a new experience for me with Dr. May. I mean, I met somebody who, you know, he's not just smart in physics and stuff. He's really well read about everything. And that's what surprised me. You know, he knew about religion stuff. He knew about certain wordings and psychology stuff. And he was interested in certain things I never heard of. I had to say to him, Ed, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, good, at least you're honest. <laughs> you know? So he was, he was a character. When you get together with him in person, if you haven't, he, he loves to schmooze and he has yeah. endless stories. So uh, yep. that'll be fun, too. Yeah, he's, he's a great yeah. guy in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it was interesting. It was fun. It's a learning experience. I mean, it really is for me. I'm no expert. Um, I'm still learning and uh, I can always get better. That's why I look at it. And that, that's it. <laughs> I have no ego. So if, that's why I'm not afraid to post anything of the horse racing stuff or whatever comes up I'm doing. I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And uh, that's what Ed May said to me. He goes, I'm glad you're like that because too many people I've dealt with are afraid to make a mistake. And I said, well, I'm not afraid to make a mistake. <laughs> you know, I'm still new at it. So, so that, that was that. <laughs> yeah, it's great for sharing. Uh, I haven't met Ed May. I've tried to get him on uh, Dad Chats on a Friday night. I sent him three emails so far with no response i, I, I will i'll i'll send him a message okay. I, I don't know what he thinks this is about yeah. and i'm saying because he, he may not understand it um he, i i'll send him a message. actually he told me before the end uh my last couple sessions with him he said jimmy i like you you and i are friends i want to remain friends with you you can ask me any questions about remote viewing or the stargate program and uh, he says I just consider you a friend. I said, okay, thanks, Ed. And I, that's how I got him to do the Jimmy 
uh, Aiken, I think his name is show because yeah. Jimmy asked me, I'm trying to get Ed May to do the show. I, you know, I'm interested from his perspective on the data end of stuff, or whatever. And I said, well, let me send him a message. I sent him a message. He got back to me and he says, yeah, I'll do it. If he's your friend, I said, yeah, he's a nice guy. Uh, I, he probably doesn't know what this is about your format here. Yeah. And yeah. he just doesn't want to, you know, come into a trap or something. Then, Yeah. Well, to be it. honest, in the past, I have been pretty critical of uh, that the science side of things. Um, sure. But now with more information, I I probably side more with them now than I do with my own uh, roots of being <laughs> practiced in CRV. Uh, and that's just because there's more information now. And I can right. clearly see that although we know and I know that CRV works, I yeah. do understand as well that it really wasn't proved to be a working training method under the rules of under the rules of science. Um, so, so I understand where they where they came from there, but yeah, that's where the division is. There is a, there is a real schism and division between this science side of remote viewing and the uh, the military intelligence application side of of remote viewing, right. um, and I don't think that's I don't think that's ever going to heal. It's been there for twenty odd years now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Right. But but it's great that you're getting experience in both, and you know I say to everyone out there, and you know even with the people I train, because, you know, one of the, one of the people at least that I train here tonight, um, even when I teach CRV, you know, uh, two of the people are actually here tonight. I teach that, you know, my approach and I teach the original CRV approach. And I also add any other elements that, that come along as well. And, you know, if, if the, the viewer that's taking the training wants to go in a certain pathway on their own, because it works for them as a person, I let them do it because who are we to say what's right or wrong? We're all individuals. And I think it's good that you're doing this new approach because then you can, uh, you can mix it up and see which one works for you. Right. Right. That's, that's what I've been doing. I, yeah. That's what I've learned from watching all your methods, uh, you know, on the zoom talks is that you kind of got to take it all in and see what works over time and, and, and just try your best. And we're yeah. human. I've heard you say before you went through a really bad streak of like 25 or 30 target misses six, or whatever six months i six didn't months? Hit, i didn't hit a target for six months once wow yes. yeah and then you rebound you get back your confidence and you know you go back yes. at it and stuff like that yeah 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 it's definitely a learning thing and i'm yeah. no expert please far from it <laughs> no it's great it's great that you're going through this and great you shared it with the people here tonight because it you know it gives another side of thing because um we do hear an awful lot about the uh, CRV and the method sides of remote viewing and not as much at the other sides. It's almost like they've been pushed aside in some way. I am trying to readdress that balance a bit now. Uh, I am having a, a good dialogue now uh, through emails with uh, Joe McMoneagle. I have them for several weeks now. Uh, we've been going back and forth asking questions and I've been sending them documents and this kind of stuff. Um, whereas before I was quite argumentative because I was quite blindsided in, in my pursuit that yes, CRV works. It's been proved to work. I know it as I've seen the documents. Mm -hmm. Now I've seen the full picture of the documents. I know that the picture's a little bit more broader than we've probably been led to, to, to believe. I tell you, would it make a great show or at least a Zoom for remote viewers is to have Joe McMonagle and Dr. May on because they are yes. close. They are tight. Because yeah. when I was getting tested, I would hear, because he knew I was a fan of Ingo and Joe, and he would say to me, well, I talked to Joe last night, and he would tell me a story 
about something or whatever. So they're, they're very close friends. Yeah. Uh, now he did say, just like anybody else, they have professional differences yes. on certain things, but they get along because just like what you said, regardless of the methodology, they want the data. Yeah. They want the usable data. They don't care about your emotion about something or this or that. He said that I love Joe like a brother. We disagree sometimes like brothers, but at the end of the day, it's about the, the operation or the data or what we're working on. And that's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You leave your differences aside and you, and you go forward. And, and it was good. to. I was glad to hear that because I myself too have like, hold on, Joe McMonagle is kind of in this corner. You got yeah. the military guys here. You got Angela's group, the psychics over here. Why can't we all kind of get along, come together yeah. and sort of make the best of this phenomena called remote viewing? You know, to be honest, I think, and, you know, I've been looking at this and there's been this schism for, you know, since I've been into this so 25 years, I've seen this schism. And although we're on spiritual pathways with what we're doing with remote viewing, each of us on our own journeys, some of us still have more closed minds in our approaches than than we should in the you know considering the discipline we're practicing here mm -hmm. um and we're you know that every, <laughs> yeah we're all human and we're all different so we all have different viewpoints and opinions as well yeah and you know as, as people know from all the different arguments that are online but you know as you may have noticed as well all the all the major arguments that are online are all but always only between the crv people Right. Yeah. No other methodology argues online like CRV people does over the right. smallest little nuances. And in the end, it does it really, really make a difference. As long as you get your data at the end of it, that's all that right. matters. That's 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 first thing I learned from Dr. May. Yeah. He said to me, he says to me, Jimmy, I don't care if you stand on your head during this half hour to an hour and you get the proper data. You understand that? I said yes, Doctor May. Said okay, but I'm not standing on my head. I said, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, for thank you for that, the though. time. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no, it's been great chatting. Yeah, thank Pablo, you. you've had your hand up for a while. Would you like to ask thank or you. comment? Absolutely, would like to add something, and would like to, to challenge Jimmy here for something. Just take this as a preamble, right? And it's not not directed at anyone. But imagine if I would tell you that if you have not gone to Juilliard, you cannot be a musician. Of course, that's not, that's not truth, right? And I, I have worked with a few musicians that were even, you know, really well, well versed in everything. One of them worked in, in the Sweden, uh, you know, Philharmonic and so on. And he told me, man, I've seen here in the streets people playing the guitar in such a way that even all the theory about melody and everything simply doesn't seem to apply by logic, right? So. It's a little bit like, you know, you can have a different context. You, you may enjoy good music and you can play the guitar amazingly and you didn't have to go to Juilliard, for example. On the other side, you can have people that are, are actually trying to investigate a little bit more on music and want to deepen that knowledge. And they end up writing all those essays and big books. And, you know, you end up with uh, seven tomes on, on mel melody theory and so on and maybe useful sometimes. My personal opinion here is that what has happened with CRB is that the, the context is different. I will try to exemplify this in the following way. I started my RV journey with CRB. 
I know there's a lot of criticism. This is uh, related to a different ad, not not ad made, the other ad, um, ad D. However, if you ask me operationally, it works. There's no 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 nothing saying that it doesn't work, whether it's more accurate or not. I can tell you that because I've got really amazing sessions from it. However, when I started in CRV and 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 you know, I was amazed at the quantity of information I could get or perception I could get from earlier stages in comparison to my own uh, experience with with CRV. Right? Again, I try to learn the guitar, and I'm not proficient at the guitar. But uh, on the other way around, with the, the, the harmonica, I'm way much better. I could grasp it almost by my ear. So that doesn't mean, you know, harmonica is better than, than guitar, right? So in the same way, I think my personal opinion again is that Ingo was really focused on investigating the phenomena, trying to, to structure it in some way to, you know, bring his dream into a reality of, of a psychic renaissance, right? And that's not the same thing as being operational. And you know, even the, the guy that, that that I learned TRB from, which was not Ed, um, he developed his own version of the protocol that did work. He kept, uh, you know, studying it. I only had uh, the first, uh, the copy of the first draft he was working on. Curiously enough, it had some similarities with uh, HR. Sorry, I'm missing Hawaiian uh, HR. Sorry, you know what I mean? Hawaiian remote viewing. You'll Sorry for I'm missing the, the the letters, but that's another thing completely different from the other methodologies, and it works. And so and so, I think that the biggest thing here is the context. If you're trying to be practical, for example, in the music, you're just trying to enjoy a gig or be the perfect, you know, gu guitarist and so on. You have your own way to make it. If you want to study it, I would highly recommend a more controlled environment so you can document it better. But in the end, all of them work, and. You know that the main variable is the person doing it, so so that will change. And I completely agree with Jimmy, and that's we need to break those stigmas, because our way we are, you know, creating a bottleneck for the the actual thing that is to develop this. Imagine from, let's say, ten years from now, assuming everything goes well, we may even end up with something that RV is just a small part of it, and it's well developed and more widely accepted. We don't know. Like, you know, people that never thought, you know, there's this guy, Simon Sinek. He exemplifies the, the things with the, 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 the Wright brothers. They didn't have the funding and everything. They, they, they had a vision. They, they, they practically created the, the, the airplane. The other guy that was funded by, by the universities and had the Washington Post all day with him, he couldn't do it. Imagine these other guys stopped. We will still be using boats and, and cars and probably soon would, wouldn't even be possible, right? So so that's just something I wanted to, to share because what I really love about this, and that's sorry if I'm boring you, I always say this the same, but I love that we're able to get together, sure, and learn from everyone because this is what is building up. Otherwise, if it was really about just a methodology, probably I would be already out even of RV because that, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't help me grow my own personal path and I wouldn't be able to share with others, right? So you just wanted to share that. Uh, and sorry if I tried to use the, the music part, but I, I really heard some amazing riffs in the guitar last time. And hearing those comments that it doesn't matter if you go to Julia, you cannot replicate them like that, stayed in my mind. That's really true. So we should not be dismissing that. Yeah, thanks, Pablo, for sharing. Just to add to that a little bit, I think what the difference is maybe 
and it, it need would need talking with Ed May and the others on this, but just from my experience of doing the research, is that Ed May has and their approach has certain aims, which is more scientific, and I think their main aim is proving that psi works a lot more. I mean, they do need data, like when they're doing their their ARV experiments and stuff, they do need a certain amount of verifiable data. But I don't think that's at the same um, breadth in specifications of data that, that the military operations type people needed, if you know what I mean. I think it's two different types of data. One is very quick. Yes, let's see if this works. Let's see if it's up or down, black or white kind of information. And the other one is, okay, we've got a target. We need to know everything about that target. You know, we need to know what is like inside, outside, upside down. So I think that might be some of the differences between the two different modes of doing this type of thing, to be honest. Can I add something to that, Daz? Yeah, go for it. So one of the things is I've never met Ed May, and he seems like you, Jimmy, you had a really good relationship with him, and he's a nice guy uh, from a lot of the people. Uh, I have worked with a couple scientists that have worked with Ed May, though, and there's a little confusion I've had in kind of correspondence back and forth with them based upon where uh, some of the scientists' beliefs about CRV lies versus about uh, what I've kind of heard publicly. Because what I've heard privately is that some of the scientists, they basically explicitly state, and this is what I heard also from uh, that Ed May, as well as Schwartz and a couple others, that they believe CRV just does not work, period. It's not a use any method, I don't care what you're doing, is that they take a hard stance. Now, I might be wrong. This is secondhand knowledge I've heard through other scientists that work with them, but they say, no, don't use CRV. Some of them explicitly really hate it and they'll say it doesn't work. And I think, is there a reason why maybe there's kind of a divide between some of the people who apply CRV? I'm one of those. Uh, I know it works. (laughs) It's beyond a shadow of a doubt, just like I'm sure Daz does. Um, there are a lot of methods that work, but uh, I imagine that might be one of the reasons why that divide might exist is when you basically disqualify a group and say, no, you can't do that. And we are seeing this also in certain communities right now or say, oh, you can't do stage one this way or else, you know, one, two, three, you know, it's like that's, uh, you know, that's where there's you're dividing lines and that's where you're dividing communities. And so I'm very much in the same camp where I think what Daz is, is like whatever method works, a lot of them work. It's about results. And I mean, the thing, the first thing that's going to separate people and cause issues is when one group says, no, you can't do that. And uh, that's, I think, or that doesn't work. And I was like, well, I, uh, so anyway, I just wanted to add that because that's my firsthand experience kind of with with some of the scientists that are they have very strong opinions on on that. So Can I add to that point too. Um, yeah, I mean, Ed May has, he polled the members of a parapsychological association at a convention to find out how many believe that parapsychology actually existed. And it was like 50% couldn't commit that parapsychology, the field they're devoting their life to even existed. So there are scientists who have very closed minds and uh, are unwilling to someone like Julia Mossbridge, who's a top-notch researcher, but also has learned remote viewing and does it. You know, Ed May said to to us at at APP, he went to a lot of APP conferences, Applied Precognition Project, make a choice, be a researcher or be a viewer. Well, if you're a researcher and not a viewer, you don't have a clue as to what the viewer is really experiencing. 
Now, I take it Joe certainly has informed Ed what Joe experiences. So Ed's familiar with that in that sense, but not as a practitioner of it. So I, I'm not sure which scientists you're referring to, Brett, but there are a lot of closed-minded scientists out there, as you know, and uh, I guess some Certainly. of them just can't get CCRB. Yeah. But John, you've, I think you've seen the documents as well. There are, there are some documents out there that are quite scathing about uh, CRV, you know, from the, from the 80s when it was being trained. Uh, I think I may have sent some to you by, you know, some, some internal documents saying that you know it wasn't proved to be trainable uh and they were there were some quite scathing reports in the in in the mid, early to mid 80s about the way ingo was training you know don't get me wrong I, I think the guy's a genius but the fact that he was training viewers and trying to assess the accuracy of the training when he was the monitor and he knew what the targets were you know so they could not discount any body language at all i think that 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 was a step too far for a lot of the scientists. Well, I, I, yeah, I've seen a number of those reports too. And just a couple of points, um, I guess I'm going to say this. So Ed May threw out a lot of documents that um, Ingo had used for training where he was giving feedback after every impression. I said, Ed, really? You threw that stuff out? Don't you think some researcher might like to use that? I felt that was very unscientific of Ed to do that. Um, I had another thought I lost there about this. Uh, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it won't. Anyone else got anything to say on this topic before we move on? Okay, I think we're done on that one then. Uh, Rich, um, you've I'm sorry, guys. I couldn't unmute. Yeah, I couldn't unmute fast enough. But yeah, it's pretty much a continuation of this okay, to a degree. It. So. Just for clarification, uh, A, for you, Daz, are you, so were you saying that there was no scientific um, precedence for CRV being teachable? I mean, isn't that the whole point of SRI and then uh, the later uh, government programs? Or did I'm I misunderstand saying, you? I'm saying I believe it's teachable um, and I believe it works. Uh, and there is one document uh, that kind of indicates that it's teachable and it, it, and it improves accuracy but i don't think it's been tested enough to to what the scientists would like to see to prove it and as i just said you know you can't prove a training method works if the person that's monitoring the remote viewing sessions knows what the target is and he's giving feedback to the people that he's training in session because that might be anything other than sigh taking place. Mm. You know, so okay. how, do you, how do you validate that as a, as a, as an improvement in training when it might not be an improvement in training, it might be something else. So I, I do under understand where the scientists are coming from now that I've seen the evidence of this. And, you know, there are other gotcha. documents as well from, from the contract sponsors and such saying that they, you know, saying that they tried three different training methodologies. None of them were proved to work. Um, hmm. but you know, that's, it's all anecdotal. I, I, we all know that, that who, all of us who have trained in any, any of the le alphabet letter, uh, methodologies that they do work anything, you know, be, because that's any, anything where, you know, you could see teach yourself to dives with, uh, dives with a pen like this, if you wanted to, any kind of tool that you pick up and you spend enough time training with, you can teach yourself to use it as some kind of divination technique. But yes, I, I 
I have to side with the scientists now that I've had a look at enough of the data that although I know CRV works, anecdotally, oh. I haven't seen any enough scientific proof to prove it works as a as a training method. Because to yeah. be honest, you know, most of us take two years at least to training CRV. Uh, it might just be possible that if you just did two years worth of practice with no method, you had you would have the same uh, you know, results at the end of it. I see what you're saying. And just for clarifications too, I think from uh, Brett, uh, uh, or just in general, you know, people saying um, that CRV doesn't work. Are they saying that particular methodology doesn't work compared to others or the whole thing's just hogwash? From my understanding, they several scientists, and I'm not going to throw people's names under the bus because that's sure. not, yeah. if they want to talk about it, they can themselves. This is what I've heard. Yeah. And is that several of the scientists, well-known names don't believe CRV works at all, and they don't want to use it in any of their research period. So, which I found astounding because I was using CRV when I was doing several of these tests for them and it was working quite well <laughs> for all their tests. And so there's a little bit of actually cognitive dissonance that was occurring uh, with one of them that I was working with, but um, I was like, so well, they were saying is- CRV, the, the, that particular methodology doesn't work compared to the other alphabet letters or it all of them doesn't work. I see. Okay. It's, yep. C- yep. CRV is kind of like the umbrella, if you will. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like it, well, not for all of them, obviously, but for a lot of them. Um, and so like TRV is kind of a child from CRV, you know, there's a lot of different versions of CRV, even SRV kind of came from CRV, I believe to some extent, um, how Courtney laid it out. And so it was that, that was the kind of position that they were taking is that they didn't want to use CRV at all. Cause they didn't believe it worked. And gotcha. so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Rich, are you on that. the, uh, are Thank you on you. the, uh, remote viewing uh, Facebook group? No, I'm still a stickler on Facebook, but I okay. need to make the leap. Yeah, <laughs> you joined the, uh, the 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 group on Facebook called Remote Viewing, mm-hmm. um, archived in the years 2014, I believe, in 2017. So you'd have to go back a bit, but you, you can search. Okay. There are two what we call mega threads. I think John John archived huh. one is a document, and I archived a couple as well. But there are okay. a couple of really long thread conversations uh, going on for hundreds of comments. And it's myself, Paul Smith, John Knowles, I think was in it in part, Joe McMoneagle, Russell Targ, Stephen Schwartz, all in heated debate because all the, uh, <laughs> you know, Russell Targ, uh, Stephen Schwartz, Joe McMoneagle and others were all saying that CRV didn't work. So that's all, <laughs> that's all in public on, on Facebook in, in Fred's yeah. you can back and have a look at. And that was Schwartz's conclusion, really. All, all three of them. Uh, Schwartz wow. was taking his lead from Targ uh, and Ed May and Joe McMahon. Really? Yes. Well, I guess I just always assumed since it went on that they thought it worked. I just never considered that they thought it didn't. Uh, no, I mean, interesting. Joe McMonagle has admitted that CRV works in some cases. He had said that in recent years several times. But also going back to this issue of science, I mean, let's not forget that Hal Kudoff was the one person at SRI who worked with Ingo to develop CRV. When TART didn't want to have anything to do with it, Ed mm. May was skeptical. Hella Hammond was, you know, having issues with, with, with yeah. Ingo. Now, who's a really good scientist? Who's maybe the best scientist or one of the best at SRI? That's Hal Puda. And he was happy with the way the training was developed yeah. and that progress was being made. 
So <laughs> I would say that there's a certain, the, one of the most important uh, segments of scientists that SRI was all in favor of this and saw its results. Yeah. Also, I want to point out for those, you know, if you read the four volumes, and I really recommend doing that, um, you see that Ingo was submitting lots of reports to Ed May at SRI, official reports that were kind of informal about Ed's, uh, about Ingo's explorations. And Ed has said, you know, Ingo is one of the most, um, most inventive and creative and hardworking guys I ever met. He was working harder at SRI than anybody else. And Ed never wrote back and said, oh, this report is full of it. You know, he was encouraging Ed to, uh, Ingo to continue his explorations in alphanumerics, it was, and an analytics, they call them. So there's that side of it, too, that was going on. So, but uh, you, you, Dad, you have a point, but I don't think it's as quite as strong as you're making it. Maybe it's because I haven't reviewed some of the documents recently where the corporate scientists are calling CRE into question. But I, I, I wave off a lot of the the uh, disclaimers from scientists, because so many of them have closed minds, they just don't get it, I think. So, so how did it wind up uh, being picked up by the government then if uh, half the people at SRI thought it had well, zero efficacy? I mean, we have to bear in mind, it was, I mean, it wasn't dropped for one reason, you know, CRV was dropped mid-program, so it wasn't allowed to be finished. Um, oh. But, the, you know, that's not, that's not just because uh, the client or the client sponsor was was indicating that it didn't work. I mean, there were political mm. reasons and other social reasons for that as well. So it was a it was like a combination of reasons all came apart uh, at once. But we have to be honest in this as well. How much, and however much I love CRV and Ingo, um, he was removed from the program, so it was stopped halfway through. It wasn't finished, and he was never invited back to finish it. You know, I think that says something in its own in its own right. Yeah, um, interesting. So we have to bear that in mind. But, you know, as, as saying all this, I do believe that it actually does work. But I understand oh, sure, yeah. when you read the documentation from the client and he's saying, where's, you know, the client's actually saying in reports going back and forth between Ingo and, and how put off and the client, he's actually saying, okay, it looks like it's work, but can you prove to me it works? Where's the, mm. where's the scientific elements? Like he wanted Ingo to do tests, whereas uh, they would recruit some trainees, but before they took any training whatsoever, they would take testing. They would do a series of six tests to, to prove a baseline of what their ability mm -hmm. was. Then halfway through the training, they would take another six tests that the sponsor would initiate. And then at the end, they would take another six tests. But Ingo okay. absolutely said, no, that's just not happening. And it's all documented. I think it's called, it's, it's a crystal growing memo. I think it's called in a couple of others. Uh, where okay. Ingo says, you know, I don't want anyone interfering in my very delicate uh, mentor to student training process. I don't want you tr interfering before, in the middle and, and afterwards. So he wouldn't let that happen. And I can understand mm. from the science side, how do you prove that training's working if you can't do these baselines and, and do these measurements? Interesting. And if people had natural abilities, that would skew yeah. the baseline anyway, potentially. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. We all know it kind of works. Cause yeah. you know, I yeah. use it and everyone, you know, a lot of people out there are using some kind of derivative of CRV or CRV. So we kind of know it works. And I absolutely confident that I'm just saying, I understand where they come from and it wasn't proved to the best of their ability and their scientific needs to have uh, uh, worked to what they wanted. And I guess when you don't have a model or a mechanism of how it works, 
Uh, that's not very helpful either. And, and you also have to bear in mind as well, um, Ingo absolutely, and John's seen this as well, there's there's loads of contracts where over and over where Ingo states that he owns the copyright of CRV and he kept everything, you know, all the training sessions, all the student notes he kept in folders, so they weren't allowed to keep their own training notes or anything. You know, he was hardcore in that. So another issue in all this as well that culminated in 84, 85 was uh, they didn't have any documentation on the exact process of the entire training method either. And they were asking for that. And Inga was like, well, I haven't got time to write all this. You know, I told you two years ago that it wasn't around. So they didn't have anything physical in a manual or a document or slides or anything. They could say, this is it. You know, we've paid you X amount of millions. This is our training method. It just didn't Interesting. exist. Which is okay. why they, well, after Ingo was removed, they, a few months after that, they had an in-house um, effort uh, spearheaded by Tom McNair and the others, the ones that did have training to create their own CRV manual because uh, there was no documentation. Hmm. Okay. That sheds a lot of light on that. Thank you very much. It's a it's 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 a it's, messy it's situation that, it that is. You know, <laughs> carries on to this day, and it, it literally has split the uh, the RV community into into camps of uh, more science to more uh, you know more science on one side and more military intel on the other. Yeah, and it's why you okay. know you don't see uh, Joe McMoneagle and and Ed May and some of the others at the Irva conferences because they think that it's too much focused around CRV. And I could see if uh, Ingo had a particular mindset, more creative and artistic, that he may have had challenges creating a rigid <laughs> manual and stuff when he's just wanting to kind of play with it. Yes, um, he does. He does say, uh, you know, because it comes up and there's there's a load of memos called the doc- documentation issue. And I think they're 84, 85. Uh, and it's a series of email, uh, not emails, uh, communications going back between the client, the how, and then how to Ingo and Ingo back to how, uh, arguing over how it got to this circumstance and Ingo basically says, he said, look, you know, I told you two years ago that it wasn't documented, but the money came in and you guys wanted to take the money and just run with it and run the training program, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> it's, it's what you do. If you get offered money, you take it and you, uh, mm-hmm. you worry about the details later. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for the clarifications. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I think uh, Stephen's up next. If you'd like to uh, have a chat, Stephen. Look, I'm really, um, I've been following remote viewing for um, a few years now. I am, I can't afford to go do any training at the moment. Um, but I've been watching some of the, I only found this forum last week. And I, my, my I've been listening. I, I mean, I've been watching the video back for the last couple of weeks. Last week, and I'm and, I, and I'm frightened about that going further. When people are saying people are appearing, seeing people appearing in things in their house, spirits appearing in people's houses, as a result of remote viewing, that's what I'm frightened of going to get going any further with this. Well, some people, you know, we have to be honest with this. Some people have had, um, I would say, life-changing experiences uh, through practice of remote viewing because we have to be honest, once you start, I guess, realizing that 
anything's possible. You can go anywhere in time and space and you can see anything. And, you know, there are no, you know, if you truly believe in, in yourself, there are no limitations to this. And that sometimes has a negative effect on some people because it's, it changes their worldview. Um, so we have to bear that in mind. Uh, and anyone that might not have a, uh, what I call a, uh, I don't know, a, a solid mental disposition when they start training in remote viewing, um, and any endeavor, even meditation, to be honest, we've seen this in meditation as well. It could, uh, it could possibly have a negative effect on you. So you have to, you know, we have to bear that in mind in under any circumstance, really. Is there anything else you want to ask or add, Stephen? Well, do you know of any um, remote viewing classes that are under under a thousand pounds? Because um, that's the, one of the reasons why I haven't taken any official training because of the expense at the moment. Um, I don't know any personally, but I'm sure there are quite a few out there, I would have thought. Um, probably people like... Pam Coronado or Deborah Limcats, yeah, they offer really good training courses. And, you know, they offer train courses in CRV and a mix of other RV and other psychic methodologies. So I would definitely try with them first. Um, but yeah, I would have thought there would, would be quite a few. But if you want to send me, I think we've spoken in the past. If you want to send me an email to daryl at nethead.com or daz.smith at gmail.com and i'll put my email address in the chat window uh i'll see if i can find someone that might be able to help you out on this and then to daz um i know john, john vivanco obviously is not crv he's tdrv but uh, he's 500 dollars us excellent does that answer your question Stephen, or do you do you have more I'll get, I think that does it for the moment. Um, I'll get back to you another time. All right, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sasha, I think you're up next. Hello. Um, how's my sound? Okay. So I've been thinking about this for a while. One of the issues that I have with all these wars over the minutia of the different approaches to remote viewing Um and the separation between what feels like sects from an outside observer, um, I really think it's slowing down the kind of research that in my opinion would be most helpful, which is the possibility that personality traits of the individual viewer might impact which approach works best for them. And I think that remote viewers, and I understand this, are trying so hard to get some kind of scientific legitimacy because at this moment in our culture and our societies that's that's the, the gold standard science has to has to stamp its approval on whatever it is you're saying or doing in order for the masses at large to give it any credence and i i think that that's uh, i think that that's unfortunate and i think it's unnecessary for remote viewers I think we can see the success of charlatans in our society today means that the masses really don't care what science says is true or real. The, the people will do what they 
personally resonate with with what they want to believe in, whether the science backs it up or not. And although that can be exploited and abused, I think for remote viewing, it could also be used as in a helpful way, I suppose, to say that we don't have to run after scientists and, and somehow beg them to recognize that what we're doing is real and true by their standards. Why, be, that we're just giving them that power over us. And if you look at the replication crisis that's happening in science right now, it's not clear that scientists themselves are able to meet their own standards. It's not clear that scientists themselves are producing data and information that's replicatable, um, that, that, that can withstand the testing that that they want to impose on remote viewing in order to declare it as something valid and real so even when you look at at our most sensitive sciences like medical science pharmaceutical sciences you're taking drugs that in most cases are worse for you than taking a placebo um, and science is starting to acknowledge that um, and so i wonder about this uh, this need that we have to fit procedures into something that science will recognize and validate. Because I think that the problem with doing that is science has to have averages and mean values. And you can have a whole set of data points, not one of which is the mean value for that population or for that sample. But the, the mean value of all those data points, that's what, what's held as this is the data point that describes this population. And I think that's what's happening with the different approaches to remote viewing is if you're looking to train anyone and everyone who's a who happens to be in the military, what is the approach that gives you the best outcome? But that doesn't mean that that's the best approach and it doesn't mean it's the best procedure. And it doesn't even mean that it's the most effective procedure for any one individual in the military. It just means when you look at group data, this is this is the one approach that gives you the better outcome for the group, not for the individual, right? And so, I don't know, it seems to me that because remote viewing developed out of the, the military and was looking for scientific validation to, val to justify the funding, we're still hung up on that on, and on these ideas. And, and at this point, I don't think government funding or military funding are necessary to keep advancing remote viewing. And so I think we don't have to necessarily be held to those standards. Um, the intents, the expectations, the beliefs of the taskers, we know that that affects what you get, your results. That disproves what military wants. So military will say, well, if you're giving me information about the beliefs of the tasker, on this target, then that's not helpful to me. I don't wanna know what the tasker believes about the site. I wanna know what's at the site. For science, that actually might be valid to say, are you actually picking up on information in the mind of the tasker? So now you're proving psi. So these two different applications are going to be impressed with or are going to see as valid very different outcomes, right? So if you're getting the tasker beliefs, the military says it doesn't work. The science, it depends on what you're, you're asking. Are, are you saying, does psi work? Is there any kind of psi happening here? Well, yeah, okay, you're telepathically picking up on the beliefs of the tasker. So then that's a positive outcome for your scientific ex experiment. So I just think 
that figuring out what personality traits work best with each approach to me that would be most helpful so that instead of saying i want to learn remote viewing what's the best type of remote viewing and then that's the one i want to get training on i would rather see i'm artistic or i'm rigid and so those are my personality traits and and what is going to work better for me before i invest money in training and i think that would that's never going to come out if we keep having these wars between these approach where only one approach is the valid one and all the other approaches are less legitimate right and, and i think that we're missing an amazing opportunity to bring out the best in individuals who have the potential to do a lot more with remote viewing than they're doing now that's my piece and i, I want to hear what other people have to say and, and think about that Hey, anyone want to answer that one? I I can answer some of it if, but you know, I want to give someone else a chance to talk if they if they want to answer. I have a question. As, if, as Sasha, who do you think is uh, saying that that we need scientist approval to do RV? I think it's uh, an opinion or a an attitude that that just, I don't want to, but that kind of permeates, I think, uh, the culture in and of itself. Um, and I think people, um, and maybe that's more outsiders than the people who are already using remote viewing for things like financials or. Oh, uh, right? I see. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Like, that makes sense. I was just curious. I was curious who you were referring to. Yeah. About that. That's because I know yeah. there's a lot of practitioners that could give two two rats about what some scientists thinks remote viewing works or not because they're applying it in their day every life in a in a way that they see empirically works and uh they don't care what someone is going to write in a journal that uh they're never going to read right but so i was just curious if who you if you've heard that sentiment is where that was coming from and maybe it's for people who aren't the viewers which it would be it's unfortunate if that's the case because, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate if that's a, it's like a gatekeeping aspect, if that's the case for some people. Or I could see how that could be. Yeah. For me, it's, it's about the applications. Uh, and I guess it's because, you know, uh, like Brett, uh, I'm, you know, I've got clients and we supply information to them. Um, I think for me at this moment in time, they're the only ones that matter. I don't care if uh, any, anyone, yep. including scientists, don't believe what I'm doing, as long as the clients are happy with what we're giving them and we're we're all learning as we as we as we go along. Then I'm, that's me. I'm I'm happy. I'm 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 in the zone with that. I do think we need some sort of standard just so we can, you know, you have to be able yeah. to measure in order to improve and. Um, you know, without some sort of standard, I, I don't see a good way to kind of poke and prod and see how it works and, and to improve. But maybe I'm wrong on that. But for the scientific method, yeah, I think we need I, I don't think scientific method works for Psy. Uh, not well, anyway, we need a new paradigm for it. Yeah. Yep. We need uh, another 20 million in 20 years of research, I think. Uh, wherever we'll get there or not. <laughs> right. <thing. laughs> because I do see that remote viewing is described like there are twitter accounts that are dedicated 
to arguing that remote viewing is a pseudoscience and it's just charlatans and it's just a sham. And, and that's where they're getting their powers by saying, well, it's not scientifically proven. And so that's why I think if as a community, remote viewers could fight back by saying, we don't, you know, we don't need that legitimacy and and this is what we do have and I think if we had approaches that worked based on personality traits we might find that we end up with data that's more persuasive to those skeptics and that because it is a gatekeeping method it is keeping people uninterested in something because the first they hear of it is oh that's a funny sham that silly people are engaging in and it's they're just deluding themselves. So I think we're keeping a lot of people who could be involved from getting involved. And, and I, could, I worry about that, a bit, I guess. Sasha, I think, I, I don't know if, I mean, this is my own personal opinion. I, I don't know if you're ever going to change a hardcore skeptic's mind about Psy or RV. I don't think that that's a, that's a, an endeavor that it's like chasing your tail perhaps is the way I kind of view it. But the way, what I do view on that regard though, as far as like a, a lot generating, attracting attention to RV for, to a larger group of people is you need to have really hardcore, strong evidence. And what is that? I mean, I think and this is, again, just my opinion. One of those that remote viewing can be done is, well, show me the money, show me that or, oh, you can, you have a, an ability to use your mind to see the future or see non-local sites. It's like, well, then prove it and do something with it. And that's one of the things that I'm uh, very diligently in my own personal records for. I mean, obviously nothing will be about who I'm doing work for, but it's all market related. And part of my goal is showing in the future. It's like, here's how much money was generated using these techniques. You can believe it or not, here are the account statements, here are the transaction ID codes, here's the X amount of money that was generated. It was purely using these techniques of remote viewing. And I think that I view that as a potential attractor to say, hey, uh, new people might get into, huh, what is this remote viewing thing? And then whatever, like you said, you know, maybe attracts them, you know, whether it's some more uh, structured, uh, rigorous approach of like a pen and paper method or a more free form method, like some of the, like Targ and others uh, seem to be a fan of, which also work, obviously, as Jimmy was talking about earlier, he's had a lot of success using, using those methods of just focus on, you know, Ed was saying, Ed May was just like, focus on the task instead of going through all this, these, this rigmarole. And it's like, yeah, all work, all work. And uh, I think you just need evidence and you need uh, that's only going to happen by people who are doing it now that have success with it and then can show that success and prove that success. And I, th I mean, I know Daz is doing a lot with money in the markets and cryptos and it's had a tremendous amount of success with that. Uh, I'm doing it a little bit more privately, but I, in the future, you know, hopefully the next year or two, I'm going to be putting that out, like very specifically all the details of what I've been doing. Um, kind of have contracts and non-disclosures and all that stuff. So I can't really do it right now, but in the future, uh, I, I should be able to do some of that. So, but that's just my take on it, on how I think, I don't think you're going to win by going to a skeptic and saying, let me argue with you when and convince you, I don't think you're going to win that. I think the only way you win is in more in a court of public opinion with, uh, really strong evidence and anecdotes and experiences. And then those who it attracts, it attracts and those who still don't want to believe it, then that's fine. Just my take. Can I, can I say something? Hi, everyone. Heather from London. 
There's something Brett said a moment ago um, about you'll never be able to change the minds of those diehard skeptics. You're absolutely right, because I remember a few World Cups ago. Um, Daz, as anybody who here watches football, we call it, you, in America, they call it soccer. We call it football. And they had the octopus, Paul the octopus. Daz, you're shaking. Do you remember that? And from the start of the games, this octopus predicted who would win in every single match. Um, it was somebody's pet octopus when they used it. I don't know how, I don't know how he pointed out the team, but he predicted every single game, the outcome correctly. And they had a group of scientists and the scientists still put it down to coincidence. And, you know, thinking, really? Coincidence? This octopus is predicting. Now, I have a friend who uses her cat to read the tarot cards for her. And again, it's all to do with the mind of the animal, the mind of the creature. We're not there yet. We use what? A very small percentage of our brains compared to the birds who know a tsunami is coming an hour before it arrives on our land. Um, so, yes, it, it just reminds me of Paul the octopus and the scientists are all gathered, they're all watching, and they all agree. Scientists from all over the world, and they all agreed it was mere coincidence. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, Brett, you're right. I think that when the people who are using it for financial purposes start making more waves and that data starts coming out, that will probably be uh, more powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Sasha. Uh, Rich, have you got your hand up? Was it another question? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. No worries. Matt, you've got to have your hands up for a while. You're up next. Hi, guys. Hi there. Guys. Um, yeah, I have three quick ones again, if it's possible. Um, I suppose I wanted to know, has anyone here had any experience with remote influencing? And is it possible to do it with thing, with um, targets which are not necessarily human? Or is it possible to do it to do remote influencing with, let's say, can you turn off a computer? Does anyone know anything about this or the limits of that kind of uh, research? I have a funny story, Daz, I could I know yeah, you probably have like the research. I have a funny story about that, which was from the 2018 Irva conference that I don't think I've, I've only told this to a couple of people, but at the 2018 Irva conference, Pam Coronado and I were the outbounders for the kind of short remote viewing, uh, get everyone involved that Paul Smith was doing with the audience. And he had a couple envelopes. We went to the location and everyone was supposed to describe the location that Pam and I we're going to go to. And uh, two of my friends at the conference decided to do a little, this is an anecdote, but a little remote influencing experiment when everyone was turning their attention to the site, which is where we were. And they wanted to get someone, people to pick up the idea of squirrels in the remote viewing sessions. And so while everyone was remote viewing, they kept putting their attention on the site that everyone was remote viewing this outbounder location. And they were repeating again and again and again and again, the idea of squirrel, 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 squirrel. So they, both of them were doing that simultaneously for the, 
five to 10 minutes that everyone was doing this guided remote viewing instruction uh, that Paul Smith was um, leading. And when we got back, uh, Pam and I were on kind of asking people, you know, okay, what'd you guys get? And someone said, you know, and there was some decent, decent data that people were getting, but the very last person who kind of stood up and said, well, here's what I was getting. There's some trees and there's some squirrels that are, I just, I just knew there were squirrels at that site. I think it's, I've, there's, you have the video. I'm not sure if it's on the Irv website, but I just, I looked in the back of the room and both my friends were just dying, laughing, trying to contain it. And I was like, I can't, I can't laugh. But uh, I like, so I don't know if that was actually remote influencing. It was a funny story that happened at 2018 Irva that I guess I've never really told publicly before, but um, it's probably on the tape where she's discussing the squirrel uh, in her session. And uh, so whether it's real or not, I mean, I can't tell you, but it's just a funny story about that idea. That's a great one. I, I only have one story for you, Matt. Uh, I've only tried it once, and that was with a, a researcher in the UK here called Andrew Usher, who took some training with Paul Smith, and he had some uh, medical experience as well, doctor experience. And he was up in Scotland, and I'm here down in, in Bath near near Bristol, I think three 400 miles away or whatever it is. Uh, and he sent me a remote viewing session, but the also the intent when I was looking at the... Uh, the remote viewing session was to influence uh, and he had a random number generator hooked up to a pc and it, it gave you an output on a chart uh, and the uh, yeah the the project was for me to look at the rv session but also have the dual uh, aim to try to influence the random number generator and make it not random uh, which we which i happened to do for uh, i think three four seconds uh, and we got we got a print out of it i still got it on my computer somewhere and that's the but that's the only time i've ever i've ever had a try of anything like that okay yeah, and so you, I, could add, I could add another experiment probably not directly rv but it's been posted for years in the internet and it actually works is the retro psychokinesis project from formulab uh, a guy that, an engineer that was a former um, tech guy in in autodesk and that, that's, you know, they use actual atomic, uh, sorry, actual nu nuclear decay devices to generate the, the random numbers that they kept a log of all the experiments. And, you know, it was really awesome. So, so that one, and also another ex a set of experiments, you know, done on, uh, not at the macro scale, but micro scale, right? Trying to influence with, the, with your mind alone, how, for example, salt crystals will crystallize and you will be surprised on what was got there. So you just wanted to share that those are other real life examples that, that you know have been documented and are out there, right? Did you have uh, other questions? Yeah, 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 sure. Um, uh, has anyone ever viewed anyone who's already passed on? Like the, the conscious uh, entity or something of someone, or has anyone ever remote viewed an individual, but in multiple lives that anyone knows of? Uh, anyone want to answer that one? I, I, I have something I can add, but I wondered if anyone else had as well. I think the trouble is 
you don't really know if you did, even if you were given the task, because there's no feedback. So it's, it's very, uh, um, certainly you can do it, but you don't know if you were successful at it or not. I've certainly looked at a number of esoteric topics like that, but uh, which rendered interesting data, but it was more of, an, I view it as interesting as opposed to uh, like actionable or truth, ground truth kind of a thing, but just my take. I suppose the way I was thinking to set up the question would be, could you make the target based on someone who's alive right now and then also add in um, the viewer will also witness this person in multiple past lives so that you know if there's a, a hit because you know if you've described the target that's alive right now but then and then get more data from um, what would be the rest of the question there would just be no feedback though for the past life stuff so you wouldn't know if any of it was accurate or not that's true it would only be okay have you maybe described the person that is alive right now and then from that make assumptions that maybe the rest of the data is accurate but i mean you you know you can make assumptions based on the person that's doing the remote viewing and their and their track record over time accuracy wise and then if they hit the person accurately as they're alive right now and then you can give a scale of probable accuracy to what they talk about with past life stuff but you know it's not it's not what we call proper feedbackable but you know you can you can assess an accuracy to that kind of information um you could also do it like you could for example someone could ask you to remote view maybe someone that they know um a person who's already passed on um to get feedback about that person yeah but most current I think most remote viewers, when you're in sessions, uh, and I posted a link. I posted a link in the in the chat window there, the one that I did when uh, I accidentally went off target during the JFK assassination, and I followed him as he was going through a death process. Um, I thought you were going to bring that one up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But in in RV sessions, like most of us, when we're doing past targets, uh, you can get data, almost conversational data with. Uh, life forms that are obviously past you know they've been passed for hundreds to thousands of years but you can still get uh, as much data i would say in rv as a medium would get if they claim to be talking to a dead person which is you know which has led me over the years to um be more skeptical towards mediums because I think that maybe they are just getting the same data as I am as a remote viewer, but they're just looking at it through a different window than I am and, and coloring it in a, in a different way. They think it's a real dead person they're talking to instead of just accessing information from the matrix like we are. But I can't prove any of that. Sure. Um. Okay, Devin's gone quiet. Uh, the last one would be, is there, like, I haven't seen on the Discord or on the Facebook group, like, a list of these are maybe the essential books that you need to read on a vast majority of topics. Like, I have, for example, authors of, I've let's got say... One. There's okay. a massive one on my website. Let me post it for you here. Oh, is it on your website, Daz? I might have missed it. It is. I'll, I'll post it here. Uh, I've got a bibliography of all the books 
uh, all the papers and all the articles um, and the papers and articles. Some of them are already on there in downloadable form, but I'll put the books one in the in the window. Are they there. specifically RV or other topics too? Uh, there's there's a huge list of all the top RV books, and then underneath it, there's a section that says other related as well. Okay. Yeah. To be honest, it was a question more directed at you because I saw in your previous Farsight work that you have like, you know, shells worth of what looks like. Fantastic information. I I wanted to know what, what would you be with your recommendations for them? Uh, most of every remote viewing book on that list that I've just posted, I've got. And I've got quite a lot of the ones in the other related as well, specifically the older ones and the ones that Ingo has recommended. Things like um, Dancing Wu Lee Masters from 1979. It's an obscure book, but it's got some really amazing stuff in it. Uh, and there's, you know, Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain from 1970. That's a classic as well. Okay. An Experiment with Time, J.W. Dunn from 1927. That's, a, that's an amazing book. Um, but I'm a bit of an addict. I've, I've collected books that are, like, so <laughs> rare from the 18 and 1900s. So, yeah. Sure, sure. But at the same time, is this a list that anyone can add to? Or is this just a list that you can add to? It's just a list that I've put at the moment. But if anyone's got any, yeah. any a great book examples, I don't mind adding them to the list. Yeah. Okay. All right, great. Uh, and the papers one is particularly good on on, on there as well because a lot of it came from me, other people, and uh, from from some of the scientists as well, like like Stephen Schwartz. So that's an extensive list of bibliography of the uh, scientific papers and, and research as well. On there, but you know, if you're really hardcore into remote viewing, and I know it's a lot of money, I do recommend. Uh, I, you will probably see it because I got the blurring on. But I do recommend these this these set of books. You know, there's there's four of them. They're quite thick, but I have to be honest, they're really expensive at over a hundred hundred pounds each. Uh, but if you're really hardcore into the science of remote viewing, uh, that that's good twenty to thirty years of scientific research. Every paper in chronological order. There. It's not just remote viewing. Like, um, although I'm fascinated by this. Um, there's a lot of topics which relate to it, like yeah. ancient history, uh, metaphysics, physics in general. Yeah, uh, a lot of those are on that. A lot of those are on that list at, at the bottom under. I can't remember what it says. Is it ever related? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks, <coughs> Joshua. You're up next. You've been there for a while. Hey. I just wanted to uh, follow up with an old discussion we had probably about a couple of weeks ago on the Discord. We were talking about the context of using uh, binary ARV, its efficacy, and one of the ideas you put out there is perhaps a uh, good proof of whether or not binary ARV works would be to remote view the outcomes of events that have already happened. So I, I sort of wanted to just offer that to the room for discussion. I did run a target on it. However, I... Realistically speaking, I botched the tasking on it. Um, I, I had set up the tasking was uh, who won the Battle of Gettysburg, and I gave the dates of the battle. The problem was the target image I chose for the Confederates win winning was actually a uh, World War II memorial with an American flag in it. So I have a feeling that influenced the viewers 
to choose the Confederate side over the US side. But I just want to put that out there if that interested anyone, if they've tried something similar or if they'd be interested in running a target like that. Any answers, guys? I think the more work that someone does in ARV is always good. And so I'm always pro and uh, people running, you know, projects. Daz has done a lot, which are really interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. I, I think my only comment on that, Josh, might be, <clears throat> it depends. We say, does ARV work? It's, there's a big difference between, well, hypothetically, there's a big difference between <clears throat> something that's precognitive versus something that's not when you're like, what's who's going to win sports game is something that hasn't occurred yet. So maybe something's different in that kind of a scenario, as opposed to just accessing data that exists now, because it's our, an event has already happened. I can't prove that there's a difference going on in the machinery of RV, but um, I've certainly seen a lot of evidence to suggest that people that are really good at describing photo sites are really bad at precognition. <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily translate one to one to one. Um, but I'd be interested to see what you have comes out of that though, Josh, for sure. Thank you. All I can add to this right now is, uh, and I think Josh knows this, I think I've talked about this on, on the Reddit forum is I'm running some tests at the moment. I've completed one. I'm halfway through another right now where we're doing ARV and I'm trying a different approach where I'm, uh, getting the viewers that are involved to is a binary uh but the uh all i'm getting them to do is do ideograms so literally it takes the remote viewer you know a minute to give me a session and it takes me two minutes as a as an analyst to decide the session and the first test i ran was whether bitcoin was going to go through in in month of july whether it was going to go above its all-time high of sixty-three thousand. and i have one ideogram literally as feedback where it went up and I had one ideogram where the feedback, where the ideogram was literally down. And all I did was looked at their, their simple ideograms. And I chose a baseline uh, across the page from when they started their ideogram. And I looked at each ideogram to see if it went more up or more down. And then I gave it a score. Um, all, all, all the data indicated that it, it would be down, which would be uh, it wouldn't go above its all-time high in July. And that was the correct prediction. Uh, it didn't go down. Uh, it didn't go above its all-time high in July. So the first test was was accurate, and it was re-good. Re uh, and it's an interesting new approach for me because sometimes with the pictures and stuff, uh, you get lots of displacement. Uh, and I didn't really see any displacement uh, because we were using simple sketches of videograms as the feedback. So I'm running a second test now, so I'll, I'll let you know how that gets on at the end of, uh, end of this month. Uh, anyone else on anything ARV? Uh, yeah, actually, <clears throat> uh, just one moment. Uh, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about ARV, and as someone who really doesn't know that much about it, uh, I understand there's a binary ARV and um, a unary ARV, but the binary ARV, uh, just to understand the basic assumption of how it works, is you have a session 
and you're either going to describe a target A or B. Now, the question that I have is, are those targets already known or are they chosen at random after you submit your session? Do you, do you mean the event itself or the associations? The association. It depends on who's running it. Um, I've had tasks with APP where I didn't know what the event was, but I knew that one image was going to be associated with being above or below the total points scored in a game. I've had ones that I've run with Brett where I know what the sporting event is going to be, but, well, actually, no, I, I would know the outcomes to that, too. Uh, I, you don't know what the image is associated with until you've viewed it, and either someone has scored your session against the image, or if you're self-judging, if you compare the two and make your prediction. Uh, I'm not sure I completely understood what you said. Uh, let me try to rephrase my question. The target images that you're trying to describe in your remote viewing session, are they oh. chosen at random after you have submitted your session, or has somebody already chosen them, put them essentially in envelopes, and you know, then both are, are revealed to you? In other words, um, are the photos chosen before the session? Is that... Uh that also does depend on the tasker. Uh, I know when I run binary targets, I try to pick two images that are going to be distinct from each other to try and help the viewer view which one it is. There's institutions like APP where they just have a general target pool. And those are, to my understanding, generated once the tasking is created by random number generator or what have you. Okay, so once the tasking has been created, so in other words, the target random number will associate two photos at that moment is the idea. Yeah, it, it all depends on what, uh, who, who you're working for or what tool you're using. I see. Okay, so it can vary. It can vary is what the... Uh... Yeah. Okay. Don, uh, I've done quite a few ARVs, but through crypto viewing, and I took a different approach in that my worry was that if random images were chosen, we know that certain images have certain new numinosity that attracts viewers more than others. For example, if an image had a lot of red in it, that would attract viewers or yellow or orange more than an image that didn't. Or if there no were kidding, a, this it, is actually interesting data. Yeah, and images that have lots of movement in it as well, like water and stuff like that, always seem to attract viewers more than you know a boring building on a on a building site or something. So I went through a process of matching images. So I, I used monuments, for example, and I picked monuments that were very, very the same. Uh, so they were, they were built right about the same time. So their, their entropy was the same. They were roughly the same size. They were roughly in the same locations, but different cities around the world. And my only differentiations I had, which I was marking the viewers on, was that one of my monument would have been something like completely curved and made of metal and the other monument would have been uh, completely square and made of stone and i was marking the rv sessions on s2 sensory data and sketches only and i was just dis discounting everything else so there are lots of different techniques that lo lots of us are all trying to use with 
ARV to find the the best approaches at the moment. Mm, okay, all right, thank you. That's actually pretty interesting about the uh, attractive uh, attractive um, imagery. Yeah, uh, and and it, we're all individuals as well. And you know, I've noticed, for example, I'm not, I'm probably pretty bad at animals. If if there was an ARV image of a of a stone structure and the and the other image was of a squirrel. I wouldn't get the squirrel under any any circumstance because mm-hmm. it's just not within what I'm good at. Isn't that so something? You, you have to bear the, these kinds of things in mind as well. You know, the personal nuances. That's why databases are probably very good to to find out what you are good and good and bad at. Did you did you find any increased accuracy using the strategy that you described? I think so, um, but I don't. I still don't think that the binary ARV touch the accuracy that i was getting from the unitary arv because with binary i was still finding that there was displacement so you you would find that you know the viewers would tend to some degree or another describe both both target associations and just refresh my mind what is unary arv how does that work the way i was doing it is i we would assign one image to one outcome and then the other outcome was literally anything else in the universe but because you're not entangling a specific second target photograph to a second outcome, it's much harder for the people to displace to it. Mm-hmm. Because you're not, I'm not actually putting my intent saying, okay, A is here and it's this square house, B is here and it's this round, you know, this round object. I'm not there going, here's two, I've entangled two, I'm thinking about two. You know, you've got one and you've got anything else in the universe. And I find that that was more accurate for me, but I think it needs a, a hell of a lot more testing. But I will say that it was so much less on displacement on, on, on those ones. Wow. This is really interesting. All right. Thank you. Guys, can I ask, um, when you say you're not good at um, animals, um, if you recognize the fact that you're not good at um, a specific type of target, do you ever get like how would you get a gestalt of an animal coming through or do you not get anything i don't tend my gestalts don't tend to be that specific uh if i get a a, a gestalt in stage one it would just be of a life form um you know it wouldn't be as specific as oh this is this is an animal i mean sometimes it may it may indicate by a little flourish or something on the end of the ideogram and i might go oh that doesn't look like it's a a man or a human or it doesn't feel like it's a man or a human i should say um but yeah it's not that specific for me and i just know from and i'll tell you why it is uh probably because my major training is in crv um and the crv training targets that followed the line of lineage of ingo in the military and stuff tend not to have a lot of animal based targets in them their structures places bases events type targets not anything as specific as a as a squirrel in a tree okay um did or have you or have you ever heard of anyone for example if you know someone who knows how to task could you for example practice something that you know you're not very good at by telling yes. that person yeah, yeah. You, you would so hint have you ever tried you would hint to them that you need more or there are some engines out there where you can choose the type of targets you want. I think TKR app, and I'm not sure if that anyone else has them because I don't use public target sites, but you can choose the type of targets you want more of in your pool and they will come up more often. 
Thanks. Any other questions, guys? Because we're getting to nearly quarter past 11 or two in a quarter hours. Uh, so we should finish up soon. I just had one quick question, Des. Um, yeah, I missed sure. what you were saying about the one book that you recommended that was 100 British pounds. Uh, which book was that? Um, well, each one's around about 100 pounds. It's these ones. Uh, oh, I don't know if I can show them very well. It's the, it's the Stargate books. Huh. So there's four here, and each one's about 100 pounds each. So oh, you can't see it very well because I got the thing on, but you can roughly see them here. Oh, sure, yeah. They are really expensive. But they've got all the major SRI documentation and science reports for 25 years. Wow. And the good thing about them is, as well is, uh, don't get me wrong, you can get all the documents for free in the Stargate archives anywhere online. Um, okay. but, but they're in an ad hoc mess and they're all over the place. What these people did, uh, Ed May and, the, and who is it who worked on it? Oh, I can't say their name. The other person who worked on it anyway. Uh, they put all the documents in chronolo chronological order. And they also went out of their way. When some of the parts were blacked out, they found out what the uh, what the target coordinates were and the feedback for them and all that kind of stuff. So everything's in, wow. its, in its right place. Oh, that's incredible. Where can you order those from? Uh, you can get them on Amazon. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but Thank as you. I said, they are, they're, they're not cheap. But I think they... I, you know, I'm a researcher, so I, I, I love, love this kind of stuff. Um, uh, but, you know, if you want to really go hardcore into the science and, and the historical research of it, uh, they're, they're amazing, really. Brilliant. Thank you. Any other questions, guys, before we finish up for the night? No? Oh, well, that's great. Well, I want to thank everyone for all your questions and comments and answers tonight. It's been really fun really informative and some and some great comments and, and information shared there thanks Daz. you guys have a good weekend yeah you all have a good thank weekend you. take care and hopefully see you next week absolutely take care Daz, everyone yeah, take care have a, have a good thanks, weekend everyone. everyone bye bye, bye. Thank, you. thank you thanks for listening to the signal line a remote viewing podcast don't forget to check out remoteviewed.com for remote viewing resources or our videos on YouTube under Remote Viewed.